Wir gehen es Ihnen und was ist los? It's deinen Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Listen. Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. This week we will be talking about how Nintendo's 2001 E3 introduced the GameCube to North American audiences 20 years ago today. Man, that was a really long time ago. We will also be talking about how Nintendo can't keep up with Switch demand and a lot more. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Paris Snyder. Yeah, talking about long time ago. Talking about long time ago. Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. And Zach Ryan. Hey, what's up? Way to make me feel old right out of the gate, Casey. <laughs> 
me too, man. And very special guest, Matt Cosmasina. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Matt is a previous Nintendo Voice Chat host. He was here for the very first episode, and even before that, when it wasn't even called Nintendo Voice Chat, and is the co-founder of IGN with Pear, and also was the editor-in-chief for Nintendo for IGN when the GameCube was announced. Matt, thank you so much for being here, and could you please tell everyone what you've been up to since your IGN days? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's a real pleasure. Uh, I've been living in my mom's basement. <laughs> for most of the time since since we left and um it's been great i really miss ign you guys do you have you have any openings uh no i'm just kidding um no we uh i went over to apple and built their games editorial team for the app store and, and ran that for about a decade uh and these days i'm the founder and ceo of a company called rogue uh and we make video games which is fun because now i finally uh don't just you know get to critique games now i get to make them and others can then make fun of my games so quite exciting a real full circle experience i cannot i cannot wait to give you a, a zero for a remake and say put more effort into it it'll be so much fun i can just honestly uh, i can make that happen so how, how does it feel uh, being on the other side uh it's great uh I, this is i mean no offense to ign i love ign but boy I, i'm so satisfied coming into work because you can make a decision and then boom, a game is in motion and it's just really crazy satisfying. Yeah, I'm loving That's it. awesome. Right yeah, on. thanks so much. And mm -hmm. thank you again for being here to talk about this topic because 20 years ago today, you were covering E3 with Pear and other people at IGN. So we're going to be looking back at 2001's E3, everything that was announced. It was actually looking at this list of games that was shown during the sizzle reel at the end of this presentation is kind of, insane and i know i keep saying nintendo mm. revealed the gamecube at e3 but actually they revealed it at space world in august before that could you guys tell us a little bit about how exactly that was handled because we don't really get worldwide we get worldwide announcements now and that wasn't really the norm back then correct actually matt if i if i can start i i, I was surprised yeah. uh re-watching some of the e3 presentation from 2001 and hearing people cheer at things that we had already covered earlier at Space World in August, right? Like announcements of like that brief footage of the the pre-rendered Zelda stuff and all of that. And people are like cheering at the same footage that we we had all seen a couple of months before. But if I remember correctly, yeah. Space World, they basically, they trudged out the hardware. They showed it for the first time. They announced the name GameCube. They didn't give any dates yet. And then they ran this reel, which I actually found a cleaner copy of it. I got to post it this reel of, um, of games, and it was the kind of pre-rendered, a pre-rendered cutscene from a Metroid game, a pre-rendered scene from a Rave Race game, Luigi's Mansion actual gameplay footage, short Rogue Squadron uh, 2 clip, but it was very, very limited, and you obviously didn't get to play anything. And then E3 was the proper big announcements of like launch dates, actual gameplay, and all of that stuff. Yeah, and if and you guys are gonna have to keep me well, Perry, you're gonna have to keep me honest here because some of my <laughs> memories are jumbled around this time. But my memory of this is that we also did a bit of uh, investigative work. Uh, Fran was brand new to IGN at the time. I had uh, just made the mistake of hiring him, which was one of the <laughs> of my life. And then uh, we went to Space World, and uh, we were trying to figure out the name of GameCube, and we knew it was either gonna be called Cube or Ga or GameCube. Starcube. Uh, and Starcube was the other one. Starcube, Starcube yeah. is the other. And I mean, so I first, uh, we. 
I was going to say, ahead, I first I first heard about the GameCube as the Dolphin. Yeah, that was the, yeah, the, so that was the code name. Code name, yeah. And so uh, right before Space War, in fact, I think we were in Japan and we had done a bunch of work. We were chatting with a bunch of developers and one of them finally said, hey, listen, it's either StarCube or GameCube. And so we started looking for those trademarks everywhere and eventually found a website called, uh, I think it was 50twice.com or something like that. Remember, Pear? Yeah. And uh, that turned out to be owned. That was just a, a, a secret name for Pokemon, which Nintendo owned. Then we knew they also owned the trademark for GameCube. And so we saw it. We put up a story, bam. And when we got to Japan, Nintendo's PR agency was pissed. <laughs> they were not happy with us at all. Um, and uh, it was great. It was, it was super great. Uh, we, we had, so I remember those. We had another piece because, like, at Space World, Nintendo kept on saying, oh, these are just concepts, right? Like, when they're showing the Metroid footage, they said, this is just a concept. Wave Race, this is just a concept. And when we asked them, they would, uh, we, we'd say, like, hey, so is a Wave Race game coming? And they'd be like, oh, no, this is just a concept. They wouldn't answer it. And then we found out that NST was actually working at it at Space World. Remember that? And, like, yep. and that story. Then they were super mad about that. Then we yeah. ran the story about Metroid Prime being first person, and then they were mad, and all gamers were mad. <laughs> yeah, and nobody believed it, especially the visor bit. Yep. I do remember coming out of the, the Space World presentation where they unveiled uh, Metroid, and then, at the, the, don't worry, Retro Studios people, if you're listening, nobody who still works there, but at the time, somebody from your studio did call me and said, huh, huh, what do you think? I'm like, what do you mean, what do I think? What game was yours? I didn't even know. And then they're like, Metroid, you idiot. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, was, it was pretty crazy. But then, it was a good time. But then, like, if, you, if you're watching the, uh, the video episode of NVC right now, you see, you're seeing the developer reel, which is obviously is a little pixelated. Um, I'm sure we have the original tape somewhere and we got to find it someday. Um, but you're seeing, you're seeing the kind of, the, the representation of some of the games that never actually came to fruition. Um, mm. You know, like Luigi's Mansion obviously looks like Luigi's Mansion and Smash Brothers looks that way. And uh, E3 was also when they released um, Pikmin for the, the, they announced Pikmin for the first time and had Mr. Miyamoto demo it. But their games on there, uh, there's Cameo from Rare, which obviously and only came out on the That ended up on the Xbox. Xbox. Yep. Yeah. There is, yeah. um, there was, Matt, what was that? Uh, Ravenblade, right? The retro RPG. Ravenblade, yeah. Yeah, that never came out. And then uh, you're seeing kind of pre-rendered um, stuff from Donkey Kong Racing, which was supposed to be the Donkey Kong of Mario Karts, and we never got that either. Would yeah, it, not, it was brilliant. Would it Go not ahead. have been the Sorry. sequel to Diddy Kong Racing? So, yeah, I mean... That was yeah. the intention, I think. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. My, my internet just cut out, but you guys are talking about Donkey Kong Racing. Um, and I know that was what. What other games didn't come out? Because I know. Oh man, oh, Casey, boy. your internet is rough. Oh, Casey's internet is bad today. But, but we can continue. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, Cameo was the the big game. Uh, Rare uh, was there with Star Fox Adventures, which had been mm -hmm. previously announced as Dinosaur Planet, obviously, and and got rebranded yeah. to being Star Fox Adventures, and then Cameo, which was. At the time, they talked about it almost like it was a Pokemon game. Like the actual game ended up being more like a Banjo Kazooie, right? Where like mm -hmm. you use different characters to perform different mm -hmm. actions. Um, but like they they said, it's like you capture these these monsters. It's very similar to Pokemon, but rare style. Um, and then yeah, obviously you're seeing Ravenblade right now. This, this really um, pixelated footage here, which was supposed to be Retro Studios' giant role playing game. 
I'm going to say it. Yeah, I think Ravenblade looks sick. I wish that game would have come out. Like I, I've so, never seen that before. I, I guess I've never seen this real, but yeah. yeah, that game looks awesome. It looks great. Raven, Ravenblade did look great in that footage, but then uh, after the game was canceled, we, we started get a, getting a media dump from former developers over there. Uh-huh. And you got to see what the game really looked like in actual gameplay. And um, it was extremely early. You could oh, tell that there was, there was a reason behind the cancellation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think they could have got it there. I don't think Retro Studios has made a bad game to date, right? And so I'm sure they could have pulled it together. Same with Car Combat and their football game and everything else they had been working on at yeah. some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad at the end of the day they focused on Metroid because that one's just so near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A classic. Casey, can you hear us again? Yes, I, I think I'm back. Ooh. I just like changed some internet settings. Hopefully that will fix it. Gotcha. Yeah, we we'll just see. talked about the games that didn't come out, but there there was a lot of funny stuff happening around, you know, specifically Space World because they had only introduced such a limited set of of concepts. Like, for example, they had said, Fantasy Star Online version 2 is coming from Sega for the Nintendo GameCube, but they didn't announce a modem or they didn't announce that it was going to be an online network. And so then if you go back, you can find an interview that Matt and I did. Um, I think we allowed Fran in the room too with uh, <laughs> Mr. Iwata and uh, uh, Jim Merrick, who was supposed to work on this <laughs> this uh, online network for the GameCube and for Nintendo at the time. And like a lot of that stuff never came out exactly what that was going to be like, but they just wouldn't confirm that the GameCube had online. And so we, yeah. we're like, but you have a game called Fantasy Star Online. They're like, yeah, well, we're talking to Sega about that now and figuring out what we can do. It was just so surreal. It's funny how some things never change, huh? <laughs> so yeah. weird. It's very true. Yeah. Harry, you were, you were uh, able... To... Oh, sorry. You can continue. No, no, please. I was just going to ask him. You were able to interview Iwata during E3 afterwards. Yep. Um, did you learn anything in that interview, or did, was it just constantly like, oh, we can't talk about that? No, it's, it's usually a lot of that, but I, th- I think that E3 interview was actually really cool. They were... Um, they were... They were pretty open they wouldn't reveal anything um but but i remember um questions that were answered back then would oh no oh the internet is taken down oh, no yeah, not, i don't um, down i don't here uh... what were you saying you cut out okay oh my god it's horrible huh Everybody i don't know why it. it's happening today i've never had this problem before it's hackers it's probably me hackers. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I was saying like some questions wouldn't be answered today. For example, uh, Luigi's Mansion was the big focus as the the Mario title for the GameCube launch, and so Miyamoto actually talked about Mario and how he wants to debut Mario on it, and everybody assumed it was Luigi's Mansion. And so we asked Mr. Iwata, we're like, "Was he talking about Luigi's Mansion?" And then he said, "No, he's talking about a Mario game that he's also working on." So like, there's. <laughs> They were, they're, they're way more careful nowadays to never confirm or deny anything, uh, whereas, whereas back then it was a little bit more fun to, to interview folks. Yeah, and I, and I would say too, that, and you, you guys would probably know better than me these days, but it seems to me that the journalist-press relationship with publishers has changed in a big way too, uh, because we were a bit more, it feels to me anyway, that we were a bit more uh, rogue <laughs> um, back then, huh. uh, where we where we would, um, you know, I remember in, as a good example, right? Um, Star Wars was at Space World. At the time, I believe Lucasfilm, LucasArts was not going to debut it. We were, we, and, our, and our thought was, why? You have this great thing. Why aren't you going to debut it? 
So uh, we just hooked up with the developer, took about 10 minutes of direct feed ourselves, posted it online. And of course, then, you know, they predictably went ballistic, but the, the footage was out there at that point. You just wouldn't do something like in today's No, not a chance. Yeah, we, no way. Yeah. We were yeah. in the doghouse so many times. I remember when we were heading to LucasArts to preview episode one racer and we had posted some screenshots from our sister mag at the time next generation magazine they had given us some of the screenshots and we arrived at lucas arts and the our person was livid she's like we're, we're talking about not even letting you guys in the building we're like why because we posted yeah. screenshots when when you guys didn't want them yeah. out there yet it was it was pretty ridiculous top secret that, i remember it this is slightly uh, not related, but somewhat related. When we when they first showed Metroid Prime, of course we were going in, insane on it, and we snuck into their you know they have those controlled booths where it's you know completely dark and everything is controlled, and so we like we were distracting the Nintendo people and sneaking behind the TV and grabbing direct feed oh my and goodness. and doing all that. And then for the course of like the next three months, every Friday or Thursday we would call it like Thursday Prime Day, and we'd post five minutes of direct feed that nobody had. And so it, it was pretty crazy. What, anyway, what that is so insane. Do you know how much trouble you would get in now? Like Nintendo would never speak to us again. Like that is absolutely nuts. That yeah. You're able to do that. No, yeah. it, it's, it's amazing. And it's sorry if any Nintendo people are listening or going to retroactively come after us, but it was all with the best of intentions to showcase your games in the best light. We'll just blame all of it on Matt. You're not here anymore. It's not, it was, it's not our fault. Exactly. <laughs> it was totally Matt's fault. <laughs> it, was Matt. it usually was my fault actually. Uh, good times. What's one of the things I noticed? I was watching that presentation, and one of the things that we really don't do anymore at E3, at least from my, from my knowledge, like the big presentations, like the ones that you can watch while at home for Nintendo and Sony. At the end, they had people come up and ask questions from mm -hmm. from the audience on a mic, and they don't do that anymore. What can you tell? Were you there for that? Did anyone yeah. ask? Any wild questions during that presentation? Well, actually, if you if you yes, there's a, there's a legendary one. Perry, you have to tell it. Now that's the one, right? It's it actually yeah. is E3 2001. If you go back, um, there is a there there shaky cam versions of that conference online that you can watch on YouTube. And uh, at the end, um, at the end of the presentation, uh, a fan gets up. Uh, or or website editor get, gets up and asks a question in Japanese, and like honestly, the Japanese was Japanese wasn't bad. It was just that Miyamoto and his translator they weren't expecting any Japanese at the time, mm -hmm. and so the person asked the question, and there's just this awkward silence, and everybody's looking at each other like this on the panel, and nobody's answering the question. And the question was something like, "What's it feel like to be working at Nintendo?" <laughs> Yeah, and, and on top of that, you know, his poor guy, he was voice shaky and everything. And uh, I think he, keep me honest here again, but I think he uh, addressed him with the formality of like Emperor, Emperor Miyamoto. Oh, he, he said Miyamoto-sama. It, it did sound like uh, it, it, it was very, very formal. Um, it, look, he was trying yeah. to be polite, but like there, there were sometimes, you know, because E3 was this, it kind of went from being an industry event to being open to, you know, lots of websites and, and online magazines with very young staff. And, and uh, so it, it kind of went from the CES setup of asking business related questions and shareholders coming up to the mic to very, very young editors asking 
you know, have you considered mm-hmm. redesigning the mustache on Wario? And like, it was just, it kind of got to the point where I think companies said, we, we can't really, we don't really know what questions we're going to get. So maybe it's better to not run. These I love it. Sessions. I love it. I, I wish so bad. I got to go find this video because I, I want to see that awkwardness so badly. Like, I love that stuff. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that, that's something that, that not a ton of companies have still learned, right? Like infamously, when Blizzard revealed Diablo for uh, mobile, they had that guy come up and ask a question like, oh, is this a out of season April Fool's joke? Like it still <laughs> happens. People still go, you know, sorry, Matt, people still go rogue and the yeah. results are mixed, yeah. right? So yep. um, mm-hmm. but, this, this mean, E3, look, go ahead, Bear. Kudos to companies though that, that do provide an open mic. I think it's really, really cool. And obviously it's everybody's dream to be able to ask Mr. Miyamoto a question. And so mm. it, it is mm. a little bit of a shame. Um, but then Casey, you mentioned that the presentations have changed. I think E3 2001, I think the Sony presentation was three hours. This year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, The Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, That link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Why? I, I mean, the- I guess the, the PS2 was coming out soon or already out at yeah. that point and and by the way they had a they had a pretty hot hot e3 that was metal gear solid 2 right so mm-hmm. they, they showed mm-hmm. that off so that was a, a big deal um and i think they introduced jack and daxter or something at the time too but uh but nintendo's was really long too and so you got you first you had a lot of talk about the business from folks like peter main then you had mr iwata talking about um you know how the gamecube platform will be easier to develop and then they went into a lengthy developer reel where you had like I think Dennis Dyack and uh, uh, who was head of Retro was Jeff Spangenberg, uh, Chris Stamper from Rare. You had them come on and talk about the development tools, something that you probably wouldn't be seeing at a three. You would be seeing at a GDC now. And then they did all right. Here is Smash Brothers and what it'll look like. They did this big reveal. Then they had Miyamoto come out and demonstrate his his um, Luigi's Mansion. Then they had Miyamoto come back later and do a demo of Pikmin, uh, which mm-hmm. was the newly announced game. So he had these really long game demos and these long segments around uh, around the business and the lineup and the launch. The uh... yeah, it, it it was uh if I may really quick, it was super significant because uh, if you think about the GameCube, I don't know, maybe it's obvious to others, but to me, it's only become obvious recently. It was it was the last console I think where Nintendo was actively competing head to head with Microsoft and Sony, and uh, and so they had to come out and show all this stuff. And then they, they coined the phrase the Nintendo difference, right? Which was meant to show you why the GameCube was different from these other consoles, which were uh, in terms of horsepower and approach very similar. Otherwise, uh, and since then they've gone in a very different direction where you've got the Wii and the Switch, and you just know, oh, that's a Nintendo console, and it's doing something that's very different. Uh, but that was that was an interesting show because uh, because of that competition. Yeah, and so much had changed, right? They were they were trying to figure out exactly how to compete with the PlayStation, but also high because the PlayStation One obviously was incredibly successful, and for a newcomer, a Japanese newcomer, to unseat Nintendo was a pretty big deal. And so with the GameCube, they, you, if you go through the presentation, you'll notice they speak to the developers saying, here's our disk. It can hold over a gig of data, and it has copyright 1.5 gigs. 1. Yeah. 1.5 gigs, right? And then they talked, uh, they talked about how easy it was develop, to develop for, and then they talked about what was different about the GameCube, and they said, and the Game Boy Advance, which was also newly revealed, right, will hook up to the, to the GameCube, and they showed the link cable, but they said, but enough about that. We're not going to talk about that. And then one thing, I got this this relic here with me. They also talked about how <gasps> there could be different devices yeah. for different markets. And I'm holding up, uh, for listeners, I'm holding up the uh, Panasonic Q, which was the CD player, uh, the CD and DVD drive GameCube. Um, yeah. And that was a big deal too, right? Because uh, 
PlayStation made a big deal out of DVD playback, and so they're like, oh, and we have that too in Japan. So they tried to do yeah. everything in that conference. I'm seeing that listed on eBay for thirteen hundred dollars pair. Oof. That's a very nice. that's a very expensive nice score, GameCube. Buddy. You can play uh, back all your Japanese DVDs, Zach. In in preparation, <laughs> I have several. Uh, in preparation for this episode, we, you know, we shared out a couple of links to the the E3 twenty or E3 two thousand one press conference, and it's really really funny. My first E3 was E3 2015, um, and the first press conference that I attended was Sony. So here's this giant hall filled with you know a thousand people and this giant spectacle and stuff and it was really funny to see a 2001 press conference from nintendo where it looked like there were maybe 200 people in the room and they're just like up in front of like on a little stage with a curtain in the background like it just looked very low budget and um mm-hmm. i love that you know miyamoto comes out to to showcase um luigi's mansion and uh uh he comes out and he does it in English. And he's like, I'd like to introduce my translator, Bill Trinan. And then Bill Trinan comes walking out looking like baby, very, very early two yeah. thousands, like long middle part and like kind of, you know, like baggy clothes. I was like, Oh, huh, I know that guy. It was great. Um, I thought it's it was hilarious. like a, such a totally different way to make a presentation. It really stripped away, uh, a lot of the spectacle in what we like current journal or games press thinks of, uh, of an E3 press conference. And it's interesting to hear, you know, the, the clip that I watched was only 15 minutes long, but it's interesting to hear about these other segments where they detail things like, you know, detailed product information, different like game making tools, things like that. Like that, that's really cool. Yeah. These days it seems that that E3 is usually just, you know, uh, how do we outdo one another versus the competition? It's just, how do we make a 90, boom, 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 boom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Every E3 press conference is how do we make a 90 minute sizzle reel? You know, like how do we put together a a live sizzle reel for, yeah. But yeah. And they Mm -hmm. remember that was also the show, Matt, where they showed the wave bird for the first time. So they, before, Mm. before that show, we had seen the GameCube controller, but the GameCube controller, remember the red round B button? It actually had another one of those kidney-shaped buttons for the B button. The controller mm-hmm. that we saw at Space different. And so they showed the, the final um, GameCube controller layout for the first time. And then they bring out the WaveBird. And people, people didn't realize what a big deal that was at the time. We were all playing with wired controllers, and the cables were very short, right, compared to... Uh, the yeah. distance we sit from our our flat screen TVs I mean, today. I did it. I did a lot of sitting on the floor with yeah. those wired controllers. Mm-hmm. And so for Nintendo, actually, and and the WaveBird was RF, right? Um, they were um, they were actually demoing the a, a, an RF wireless controller on stage and kind of showing how it worked. They would never do that today. Remember all the the broken yeah. Wii remote demos and all the issues um, companies had with wireless controllers because of all the interference. And remember, not everybody mm-hmm. had a, a, a cell phone back then either in their pocket, but now it'd be impossible to demo that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it was, it was the rise too. And, and then the fall later, I think, of the Nintendo second party, right? We had companies like Silicon Knights and Retro Studios. And uh, I think Next Level Games came in there at some point. They've been very successful, obviously. but. Uh, yeah, a lot of these didn't pan out as well as they had hoped. I mean, don't get me wrong. Silicon Knights is no longer a company, but we should talk about Eternal Darkness for a minute because mm-hmm. that did come out of nowhere. And uh, it, it sort of surprised certainly me. And it, it, to give you a little context at that time, at IGN, I think probably any other company too, but certainly there's this, there's a like internal fan base and a little bit of competition with all, with all the media and journalists. So the Xbox team would be like, well, look at the big boy games we're playing. And uh, 
you know, and we'd be like, well, we have, you know, Pokemon and, and, and they would, be, it, it was just a losing battle uh, for us so often. So when Eternal Darkness hit, we finally got to grab onto something that the Western audience would be really into. And uh, it was just such a nice surprise to come out of nowhere. And then the game turned out to be really cool too, on top of that, with um, in introducing some really neat insanity effects and things like that. It's really quite a, it's, it's a bummer how that all later played out for, for SK because they, they did make some really cool games. So yeah. I'm bummed the way it, it turned out. Yeah, I do. I do remember also, Matt, when Nintendo showed all these games, it was very centered around their second parties, and you know, Silicon mm -hmm. Knights um, ended up making a game for Konami and Nintendo with a with a Metal Gear remake. It's unheard but, um, of, too. Yeah. But at the time, everybody was saying, you know, what's going on with Capcom? What's going on with Konami? What's going on with Namco? Right? Like Konami was there really early on the N sixty four, and then some of the other companies um, got. You know, just like the the CD format of the PlayStation better, and and made games over there like Square, of course. And so people were waiting for announcements around how Nintendo would rebuild its third party lineup, and that that show wasn't it. That we didn't leave that show co confident that Nintendo would be able to regain the broad um, third party support that they had uh, with the Super mm -hmm. NES, and that came later, right? If you if you then go forward in time. At one point, Capcom brought every Resident Evil, everything to uh, the yeah, GameCube. But, and there was a hint. Even, yeah, I was going to say, but even then it was tough because, uh, you know, at that point, the video game industry was trying to carve out its place in the entertainment field. And, yeah. and they were doing that by saying, we're, we're for adults. We're grown up, guys. I swear we're not a toy. Yeah. And then Nintendo carts out a purple a lunchbox and says, <laughs> this is our toy console. Right. Right. And so it was almost a setback. And Nintendo, you know, they've always played by their own rules and done it their way. And, and that, that's why people love them, myself included. But at that point in time, it did not, it did not position well. People were like, what? Really? This is how you're going to do your console? And uh, just the look of it was such a turnoff for so many people that they immediately dismissed it. So then when later, when Capcom came with the Capcom 5 and these really great games, people were like, cool, when's it coming to PS1? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was a hint there of the mended relationship because Capcom, obviously, uh, uh, there was a partnership with Capcom's flagship for the Oracle of Seasons and Ages games and Capcom making Zelda and stuff. So you kind of saw the hints of that relationship um, in the future, but mm -hmm. it wasn't on display for, for GameCube. You know, it's uh, true. crazy hearing about those sentiments because, I mean, when this when the GameCube came out, I was 11 so I was mm -hmm. entirely, completely removed from the general consensus and attitude about the GameCube. And I just thought it looked cool. And I liked that it had a handle so I could take it to my neighbor's house and still play <laughs> games. And I wouldn't drop it down the stairs like I was with my Nintendo 64 because that did not have a handle. Definitely the only reason <laughs> why it was dropped. But it's it's interesting to hear that people didn't like the design of it. I think generally people love the design of the GameCube now looking back on it. but. I guess you could say the same thing about uh, Wind Waker. Like at the time, at the beginning, people didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could you, could, could you imagine Sony getting out uh, on the stage last year and, you know, all this hype, all this buildup, we're finally revealing the PlayStation 5 and then they show it to you and it's just a box. Like it's just a cube. Like people yeah. would lose their like minds Like the Xbox today, Series you know? X? I mean, the, the yeah. Xbox Series X, is a, that's a rectangle, you know? Okay. Yeah. Plus, it's got a little curve on the top, which is nice. But the purple was the purple was an aggressive choice, right? Like that was a very, mm -hmm. very 
Nintendo reveal. Um, I, I think it grew on people, you know, especially you see the opening animation for the GameCube logo and stuff. Like it all fit together, but in the beginning, people were like, "Why is it? Why is it a cube? Why does it have a handle? Like, if I if I grab it by the handle, all the wires are gonna pull out of the wall, right? Like it's it was it was confusing, but I think people warmed up to it. And then obviously, Smash was just it was ingenious to come back with that. Remember, ice climbers were not a thing anymore, and so for the presentation at at E three to showcase the ice climbers. Not yeah. just as a playable mm-hmm. character, but as a dual tethered character thing. All of in that the, stuff uh, just send people talking. In it's the also... video, uh, in the video, the the presentation that that I was mentioning earlier during the Smash Brothers reel, when the ice climbers show up, you can hear one guy in the back of the audience just go, "Ice climbers!" That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's especially interesting because Smash for the Nintendo sixty four was only two years old when they announced mm. Melee. It's not. Mm. I mean, I guess like in the life cycle of games now, like two years in between games isn't that long, but isn't isn't that short of a time. Mm-hmm. But back then, it's it feels like it was because I was still a very big seller at that point for the sixty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think and if it, you look back, though, you know, you, you could say, yeah, people did warm up to the GameCube, but never fully, right? Because Microsoft did sneak in and, and sort of take ownership of the industry at that point, and then. Well, uh, Sony was still the owner, but Microsoft definitely leapfrogged Nintendo in terms of Western sales. And uh, they did it with a, being a relative newcomer with a new console, with all new brands. And Nintendo should have really been in a position of power at that point. But I think because the industry at large was like, is this a toy or is this a, a console? Um, yeah. And there was a certain negative connotation related to that, whether or not it was earned or not. Uh, it was it was a hurdle for Nintendo to overcome. I don't think they ever quite made it. Well, if you I look remember, at the opening, oh, sorry, Pear, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say I remember Matt. You you and I talked to Nintendo execs at NOA all the time, and they were quite frank with us. They said, "Hey, Japan gave us something that looks really really great for the Japanese market, and now we have to figure yeah. out how to market that to Americans." And so yeah. what they they hired a very expensive advertising agency to create TV commercials, which were these like super kind of stylized like a dude in a glass box playing a star wars game right like the commercials were completely different from what you're seeing here with animal crossing by the way still called animal forest animal forest here. yeah um but but uh the, the the american commercials were so at odds with the image that the gamecube and you know demos like meowth party and like luigi's mansion were projecting <laughs> yeah for sure i am curious so this to me, looking back, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like this looks like a stacked presentation. Like these are a ton of games that ended up being incredibly popular, or at least like had cult followings. And I'm curious, what was the biggest story from this E3 presentation on IGN at the time? No Mario. Wow, <laughs> we're usually <laughs> negative. Where is it? Where's the thing we didn't have? Well, it's funny because it's funny uh, because when they introduced Luigi's Mansion. They go, you know, I think it's Trin and he's like, yeah, we're, we're excited to show you the next game in the Mario franchise. And I was, you know, as the camera pans over, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, wow, we're going to see Super Mario Sunshine here. And then the Luigi's Mansion music starts and it's like, oh, that's, uh-huh. that's funny that they, they positioned it that way. Like, ah, here's the next Mario game starring Luigi in a mansion. Totally different <laughs> deal. Uh, no, they knew, they knew that they needed like that, that the press was fo- would focus on their biggest franchises at the time not being there remember smash was not a smash hit yet right like no, now did that. now yeah. both smash and mario kart are their are their biggest franchises not 
around in Pokemon. And strangely enough, now Animal Crossing, right? Obviously going to move yeah. into the top slot sometime. But like th- well, those were yeah. those were not the main focus games. Like everybody wanted a Mario game. But Matt, I well, think also a big story was um, Rogue Leader, right? We really focused on the graphical power mm-hmm. on display in Rogue Leader. Yeah, we sure did. Uh, you know, the guys at Factor Five at the time were they're they're they were technical wizards. I think they are now. Uh, aren't they Epic San Rafael? I think they that Epic owns them, and they're doing technology for them. That's uh, among other things. Anyway, they're they're geniuses for a reason. There's a reason why they're associated with Epic. They um, and they just have done some amazing work. So when we first saw Rogue Squadron, uh, uh, Rogue Leader, I got him getting my memories jumped. Yeah. Star Wars Rogue Squadron Rogue. to Rogue, Le- Rogue Leader. Leader. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was blown away um, visually. Just you know everything they've done uh, in terms of the rendering, rendering fidelity, the particle effects, lighting. It all just felt really good. And it was running really well on top of that. So it was a showpiece for sure for us. And I remember being at IGN looking like, guys, huh? Come on, you know, like oh, Halo, sure, but like check this out. Um, and uh, it could it could definitely like hold its own a little bit, which was cool. So I have one more question about this E3 from two thousand one. Did Nintendo or Microsoft or Sony like win that E3? That is always the question, right? Who won? Oh my God. <laughs> I, I think if I, Matt, if I look back, I think the game of show for IGN was like Star Wars Galaxies or something. It was like PC. <laughs> um, really? That's funny. Yeah. Uh, because remember, the games on display and playable were not games that I think the entire IGN crew loved. Like, like you know, people played Luigi's yeah. Mansion set that was cool but not their game of the show. I mm-hmm. think I think the consensus was that Nintendo was up there and really really strong and I think many people believed that they had the they had the presentation of the show, but I think Sony was incredibly strong too. Like he just Metal Gear Solid 2 a game like that only comes along once in a while, yeah. right? And to have that on display, Absolutely. I I think that that probably a lot of people would have said it was it was Sony. If I remember correctly. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think that the focus in, in these cycles is always what do you have on to unveil? And then once that, once you've unveiled your lineup, then the focus becomes what's at launch. And if you don't have some flagship thing at launch, uh, people tend to focus on that as well. And for GameCube, we all thought it should have been Zelda. And so whether or not that was fair or not, we're like, where's Zelda? Zelda, Zelda, Zelda. And Mario was Luigi's Mansion, which was not the Mario game we had expected as well. So Despite the fact that all of the lineup was great, in fact, when I go back and look at the GameCube's lineup, it's one of my favorite all-time lineups for any video game console. Some of my favorite games are on that system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I still think um, people saw the lineup as weak, the launch lineup as weak. And I remember when I was reviewing uh, Luigi's Mansion too, and you know, it was a very short game. It was like five hours, you can blast through it. And we thought, oh boy, you know, it's a little little shallow for your for your like flagship launch game. Yeah. So Met- Metal Gear Solid Two. Sorry, Metal Gear Solid 2 was the big talk of the show, but it had been revealed before, so that wasn't like the the big reveal. Uh, Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry was a big story, but mostly everybody was talking about the the consoles, uh, the Xbox, and then uh, this this small development indie development studio called Rockstar. Uh, they revealed a game ah. called Grand Theft Auto 3. You may have heard of that one, mm-hmm. um, but it yeah. wasn't. Whatever happened like, to those guys? I know nobody. Yeah. I think they're making yeah. like niche Western games now. But I nobody nobody at the time predicted that that was going to be the biggest thing in the world. Well, I got to give credit to Doug Perry who worked here at the time That's because true. he actually was all over it. Uh, 
and um, it, it, it did turn into something later, obviously. Yep. You know, if I'm recalling correctly, so the GameCube was delayed a little bit, which actually made it come out after the Xbox, which wasn't originally the case. But yep. also Smash Bros. Melee, which was, I thought, supposed to be a launch title, was also delayed. So there, were, there was a little while mm -hmm. there where I had a GameCube and no games to play on it. Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> yeah. Super yeah, Monkey Ball, I, yeah. I, I guess, like, I could pick one game and I wanted Melee, so I, I had the system and I just had to wait. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a problem, for sure. Yeah. Like, like I was saying, kind of a week. I wouldn't call it week, but uh, maybe a little slightly disappointing for some launch launch lineup well i think um matt i remember you maybe i think you reviewed luigi's mansion for us back then but we were also disappointed yeah. that it wasn't the usual like 20 to 30 hour mario game yeah. that it was beaten in just a couple of hours so we we were a little a little disappointed with the launch lineup but i mean that's the ps5 is yeah. an awesome console but i can't say that it had the most amazing launch lineup either right except yeah stroll which is fantastic which was free <laughs> yeah. so it had that going for it mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. is there anything else you wanted to mention about nintendo's 20 2001 e3 almost said 2021 that's this year we haven't seen that one yet hmm did anything else come to my pair that we haven't no about? i i think matt though 2001 that was pretty much when the um when the uh the web economy crashed and yeah and pretty sure we were all either sleeping on somebody's floor in, in somebody's house who lived in LA or we were rooming with five in a hotel room at the time. But I remember the those years were really rough for online media. Um, so mm -hmm. the, the show and the launch of the consoles were a really nice distraction. Yeah, we were IGN Insider and please sign up or we're going to have to send Pear back to Germany and all these horrible things we used to <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Did you really say that? Yes. Uh, yeah, we sure did. <laughs> yep. uh -huh. I remember. But I'm glad that that didn't. It didn't have to come to that. Yeah, I like Germany. <laughs> I kind of wish you'd gone back uh, to be honest, but. <laughs> and I, uh, I did want to mention really quickly that uh, that week in 2001, 20 years ago, was a, I, I think a pretty decent week for Nintendo because the Legend of Zelda: Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons also came out that week for the. Game Boy Color and had a special connection with the Game Boy Advance with special um, a store that would only show up if you're playing on the mm -hmm. Game Boy Advance, which is quite interesting. I just wanted to mention this really quickly. I hope that they come out with a way to play this on the Switch in the near future because right now the only place you can play it on is the Game Boy Color, of course, and the 3DS. And I thought this was also especially interesting because they linked together. Yeah. So you could play them either one after the other is like a um, a prequel and then a sequel, or you could play them simultaneously while using passwords to unlock special things yeah, as you I played. That, that was a big story too, Matt. If you recall that it was supposed mm -hmm. to be the Triforce games, it was supposed to be three titles, and Nintendo yeah. had partnered with Okamoto from Flagship to actually make six Zelda games for the Game Boy Color. That's right. That never happened, and like the, the third Triforce game was supposed to be a remake of the original oh. Legend of Zelda, and it was supposed to be easier than the than the nes game and connect to all the others but yeah i just wanted to mention zelda for a short moment just because i feel like they're worth mentioning and maybe if we mention them more maybe nintendo will bring it back i would love to like, see i would love to see like a game boy color or a game boy advance collection for nintendo switch online we did i was trying to find the review for it but we just did a cool little device that lets you play 
GBA games in HD or scaled up on your TV, but I can't, I can't seem to find the review that we did for it. I'll, I'll see if I can track it down. I'm sure we'll get those games back. <laughs> did you, Matt's back? Did you, uh, yeah. did you tell Craig to shut up? I said, shut up, Craig. No, I just told him to be to be a little lower in there. Tell uh, Craig you... works at Rogue as well, by the way, in case that's not clear. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Matt and Craig got is... married a few years ago. <laughs> We got married. Uh-huh. They made their whole house look like uh, office meeting spaces and game studios. It's a very <laughs> right. uh, interesting yep. decoration choice. We'll have Craig on for the next uh, Nintendo handheld anniversary. Sounds good. Which should be Let's soon. See if I can give him the time. Because the Game Boy Advance came out in early June in 2001. So also right. 20 years ago this year. Game Boy so Advance will have a top, like a top five favorite system for me. It's great. Down, it's I'm a really great a system. little Game Boy Advance retrospective. Let's do it in the near future but that's it for 2001 for this week in nintendo's history at least so i wanted to move on to some more news and at the top of the the more news section which i think is the most important is that nintendo can't keep up with switch demand specifically uh, semiconductors which are used in almost all computing devices have had shortages since last year and it's one of the reasons why so many consoles are having a problem Uh, this is such an issue that the president of the United States actually put in an executive order to uh, review the supply chains causing uh, graphics card shortages and other things in the gaming industry, which is quite interesting. Make but, more chips. Yeah, Seriously. pretty pretty yeah. much. But they, they're they unsure. So basically, Furukawa told investors, demand for hardware continues to exceed our expectations even after the beginning of this calendar year and production has currently not caught up to its high demand due to the tight supply and demand situation for semiconductor materials worldwide. Their goal is to ship 25.5 million switches in the new financial year, but they're not they're unsure if that is actually going to happen. What does that mean for my Switch Pro? Uh-huh. That's that's what I'm curious about too. It's like do they mean all only the current switch and the switch light or do they mean the switch light the current switch and a potential switch pro for this year that may or may not happen no the thing keeps on selling out like i i once once in a while i check nintendo's japanese store you know you can order a switch directly from nintendo and and pick whatever joy con color combination you want and it's just constantly sold out there um I mean, Matt, what that probably means is that if there were any plans to put a Switch Pro out this year, they're going to wait because if they're selling out of the regular Switches and they can't make enough, introducing a new version of it, that, that's yeah. a disaster, doesn't it? You should just wait. Yeah, I would think so. You know, if you're doing just fine, why introduce your, your successor? Because we yeah. want it. Yeah, that's I why. know. Trust me, because I want, want it, it too, yeah. badly. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Me too. So with uh, all as, the- as someone trying to make games for Switch, uh, I would really like a Switch Pro. Ah, yeah, that's a bit of insight that uh, I could have anticipated there. No, it's it's amazing. I would just love to have uh, even more graphic fidelity and everything. If we could push I guess it. I would make it a lot easier to make games for all of the different uh, systems and PC out there now if the Switch could keep up with the other ones a little bit better. I guess that would be the biggest reason, right, to get more third-party support. So, yeah, good luck on finding a Nintendo Switch this year if you don't already have one, because we're not sure how that is going to go. But also in news this week, so Genki has um, provided, not provided, made a bunch of different accessories for the Nintendo Switch and also for the gaming industry. I actually use their Covert Dock uh, for streaming, and it's I bring it with me. It's great. It's also sold out almost all the time. 
this mm-hmm. week they came out with a new shadow cast which lets you use your laptop as a as a screen for not only your nintendo switch but other consoles as well and also works as a capture card they did send me a review unit i hope to have an actual review up next week i did not get to test it out as much as i wanted to to actually get a good in-depth review but short first impressions is that it actually works i don't know if i would use it to play you know smash bros online there is like a super very very slight lag it's really not that bad especially if you're playing a first player game that doesn't require like split second controls but it is the best thing i've ever used for like that goes straight to the laptop it also works as a small capture card that captures in uh, 720 and it works well and it also has direct compatibility with streamlabs obs and obs which uh my elgato which is just the regular elgato does not have of course none of that matters if you don't stream but i was interested because right now streaming on the mac is annoying um <laughs> so i need to look into that some more but basic first impressions is that it actually like works pretty well it's only 45 dollars, so it's that's pretty cool nice Genki yeah. makes good stuff awesome yeah that's it yeah cool um would you guys ever use like need something that actually casts to a laptop like when traveling maybe yeah, yeah actually uh craig got craig um kickstarted it or whatever funded it and we have one here as well so, I was cool. uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was shaking my head vigorously, no, but then I forgot that there was a time when I traveled a lot for work, and I would have loved to have done something like along those lines um, to cast to my laptop. So uh, I changed my answer. Yes, I'm in. I would I would do that because <laughs> they. I guess the other thing it goes really well with the covert dock because if you're traveling with the dock, then don't have a screen. It's it's where. Oh, it's plugged in out in the living room. It's literally like a little USB that you plug into mm-hmm. your your console. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Also, in more news, Capcom has broken its profit records for the fourth year in a row. Sales are up 17%. And this is, of course, fueled by very strong sales for Monster Hunter and Resident Evil. Uh, Capcom has been killing it. They've been mostly focusing on these big flagship games, but sometimes they come out with smaller games like the, uh, the Ghost and Goblins. Um, remaster remake mm-hmm. just remake. a few months ago yes yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. monster hunter is uh obviously that's that's the game in japan um you know especially for for handhelds that have propelled handhelds to huge sales in the past whether they're sony or nintendo and now it's on switch and doing incredibly well out there but it's it's exciting to see it connect here too um you know we talked at length about how I tried to get into Monster Hunter games, and many have tried. Jose, uh, Casey, uh, this one's finally the one that clicked with me, and I'm playing it. I'm loving it. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, uh, same deal. I, I've, I've tried multiple Monster Hunter games to try and get into it, and none of them have really clicked until Monster Hunter Rise, and I've played uh, just an obscene amount of, of monster killing in that game this year. I see. I mean, Capcom's just having a hell of a year. I mean, between this and Resident Evil, uh, you know, they're really coming out swinging in this first half of the year, and I think that they're doing some really cool stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I, all, at least all I see on my social media feeds are people talking about Resident Evil and Monster Hunter. That might be maybe because I have. I was going to say that might be that might be the algorithm yeah. speaking specifically yeah. to you. But, it might yeah. be. It might be one hundred percent that. Yeah. But you know, it's fine. I'm just going to accept it that that's all anyone is talking about right now from my small little bubble, but. Yeah. And I never would have thought that Monster Hunter would have been like a worldwide seller like it is. And I'm so glad it is. Thank, thanks to World. 
sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and last in this section for more news that I know all of you, at least I assume all of you are very excited for, there are multiple new Steam World games in development by Thunderful Games. Mm. They used to be known as Image Inform. We actually had them on podcast a few years ago for while they're in town for uh, Quest, not, Steam World GDC. Quest. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right around that time. Yeah, this is so awesome. I mean, anybody that's listened to this show uh, since 2017 knows that anytime that there's a Switch recommendation, I always suggest SteamWorld and SteamWorld Dig 2. I think these are some of the best Metroidvania platformers on the system. Like, I, I could not be more uh, stoked for them to make more SteamWorld games. Same. Dig 2 is just, it still remains oh, one of the best games on the, on perfect. the system. Yeah. Dig 2 is great. I think Quest... Fewer people um, enjoyed Quest. I, I actually really liked it, and I'm I'm not into you know card based con combat, but I, I really enjoyed the game too. But probably because I moved over from Dig Two and loving that universe and 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 everything related to it. But Dig Two is just on another level. It's just such a fantastic game. So if one of those Steam World games is Dig Three, I think we have some. Nice stuff to look forward to. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume probably <laughs> Dig Three. I'm I'm hoping for Heist. Uh, like a, a sequel Heist to SteamWorld Heist as well. Yeah. Ooh. Love what about a, a sequel to Quest? So I, I, unfortunately, like, you know, like Paris saying, it didn't really click for me. I, I, I played quite a bit of it. I got pretty far into it, but I just, I just popped off of it. I dropped off of it for, a, you know, some other game that had come out around the same time and never yeah. went back to it. Um, I, card card games casey how many times have you tried to get me into slay the spire i know it just, i know it's this never been my thing but <laughs> maybe cost. there will be some card game not unlike monster hunter rise where someday it'll make sense to me but yeah unfortunately it wasn't steam world quest sorry to brand if you're listening <laughs> it's okay He's, uh my, my team is gonna kill me if i don't say check out arcadian okay that's, that's our that's our card game okay all right is, is it is it on the switch <laughs> it's uh it's on PC right now. Okay. Yeah. Right that sounds delicious, but uh, we can just glaze past <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, um, last, the last game, I know we just mentioned it, was SteamWorld Quest Hand of Gilgamesh in 2019. So they definitely are out for, they're due for another SteamWorld game. And that is all for news this week. I guess I could mention very quickly that Target is basically threatening that they are going to stop selling Pokemon cards because people are getting too crazy about them and they don't want to deal with it. I guess the profit from Pokemon cards isn't worth the hassle to them. But you guys can go look up more on that. But basically, there's a whole crisis of people scalping Pokemon cards right now, and it is absolutely insane. People cannot buy new the new series of Pokemon cards. Like, why would they do this? Why do you crisis. do this? What you do? Stop it. Yeah, it's a Pokemon card shortage. It's a crisis. People are mad, <laughs> but that's fine. I'll, I'll get over it. It's fine. Like, I, I don't need to impulse buy Pokemon cards when I go to Target. You can take that away from me. It's the only shred of happiness I have when I go out in public, but it's fine. We can move on because there are games out this week that I can spend my time on anyway that are not Pokemon dark. cards. That got dark. That got dark. dark. That got dark. <laughs> I'm sure some people feel the same way. But anyway, I think there is, are only two games out this week. Please correct me if I'm wrong that I want to mention. And this is Femicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, and The Missing Heir. These are both $35, but you'll get $10 off if you purchase both of them. These are remakes of very old Famicom games, I assume, right? I know, Pear, mm -hmm. you talked about this a little bit when they revealed these in a Nintendo Direct, a Nintendo Direct a few months ago. 
none of us have been able to play them yet, but it, they are getting relatively good reviews on Metacritic. I think they're sitting at around like 75, which is a good in between good and great. So it's a good, great score. I'm not sure. I don't think we have uh, reviewed this ourselves yet on IGN. I don't IGN. think so either. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. Hmm. Pear and Matt, have any, any comments about Famicom Detective Club? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never played the originals, uh, and so I have nothing to base this on. Looks interesting. Um, yeah. Again, like knowing Matt for a couple of decades, I can tell that this is not a Matt game. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I, so I play it with my daughters. That's about it. But the uh, uh, the for me, yeah, um, this is far too much concentration and reading for my level of brain power. I just mm -hmm. it's, it goes way beyond my capability. Yeah, it's. I will. I will say that. They remade these games, and they actually, you know, the the animation and and voice and everything. It looks really, really cool. So, I did not play Famicom Detective Club originally when it was on the Famicom. Um, so, but it's one of those games that I learned about its existence. I think even through Smash Brothers, right? Like the inclusion of of trophies around that game, and then did research and always wondered why they hadn't re-released them in the Japanese market or or turned them turned the franchise back on, and so. This is one of those things where it's it's unlikely to be the biggest thing ever in the United States, but I think it'll it'll do very well in Japan. You know, maybe someday like Fire Emblem, it'll it'll crack that uh, that that barrier between Japanese games and, and Western games, and it'll be it's, popular here too. It's really interesting to me from a preservation standpoint, from you know the idea of like bringing back something that was kind of lost to time in a way that is uh, you know updated for uh, current current gamers and i really like the art style i think it yeah. looks really cool this is definitely one of those games that i would look at and and potentially purchase and then maybe get a halfway through and, and get distracted by something else yeah. um but i think it's neat that the folks that are out there that want to play it have an opportunity to do so now and it mm -hmm. is a cool little piece of nintendo history that is you know getting some new life breathed into it so yep. yeah it also looks awesome, yeah. it looks good like instead of a lot of the visual novels out there right now their their mouths actually move because actually is some animation in these screens which is pretty rare for uh, narration narrative games on the switch but yeah. that mm -hmm. is about all that is coming out this week that i think is worth spending a lot of time on but we should spend some more time on games that we are playing this week uh matt why don't we start off with you what are you what are you playing this week that's where i shamelessly plug my own games uh, it happens to be true um we are so we're bringing to our, a game that we made with um for apple arcade to switch called um super impossible road and uh it's sort of like f-zero uh maybe a little bit of super monkey ball if they had a baby you would you would mm -hmm. have this game and so it's just kind of like really cool unpredictable uh in some cases depending on the mode you play um procedural tracks and you can race up to eight people online uh and it's crazy it's a really hard game it's called super impossible road uh we're bringing it to switch at 60 frames with a, a two and four player split screen mode at 60 frames so wow. we're really psyched about that wow one of the, i think it puts us in one of the very few um you know uh selection of games where they're that's that's going to be achievable so super psyched that'll be coming out in the next couple of months and um yeah, look for more on that. We'll put out a, tra a Switch trailer shortly for you guys to check out. But it's uh, if you like games like like um, F-Zero and Super Monkey Ball, you got to check it out. That's sure. awesome. It's really. I know. I remember when, when I played it on uh, Apple Arcade first, we were talking on the phone, Matt, and I said, wouldn't it be nice if somebody remade Extreme G? 
in 60 frames yeah. per second made it look this good. Yeah, it'll yeah, be the it's dream. Cool. Yep. We're exploring. We're exploring now whether or not to do a couple of exclusive tracks, which may or may not look like Rainbow Road. So we'll just, oh, we'll just okay. see. If something, okay. Yeah. So something something to look forward to. Could you also, real quick, just just tell us about uh, Fist of Fluffs? Oh yeah, yeah, Fist of Fluffs. Um, so this is a game where cats beat the crap out of each other, uh, and uh, you can have up to four people um, going to town, either local couch play or online, and destructible environments. Uh, you can also dress your cats and groom them, and just generally play with them. Uh, if you're not if you're not into just going you know going crazy you know, now warfare. Yeah, and then the, the other bit is uh, there's some ragdoll in there, physics, destructible environments, and um, a full metal mode. So if you're, you're like overwhelmed by all the, the cuteness, you can turn on metal mode and it becomes like this heavy metal, crazy death metal warfare cat game because everybody Ooh. wants that. Yeah, I, I want it. I I'm one of those that. people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Into it. Thank you, Matt. A, a brand Thank new you. game from Matt Katsumasina. Katsumasina. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that... That's what they actually do call me. So I think Rogue has about five cat games now. Uh, and so we really got to bring in some more dog games. The, the, premier, the premier cat developer. I can dig it. Yeah. We, we can be good at something. That's, yeah. that's going to be our forte. Matt, wasn't, yeah. wasn't Cats of Messina, wasn't that a, a fake character we had on the site like some 20 years ago? Too? Wasn't that a yep. cat? Yeah. Okay. It was. I think it was in response to Fran Goat. Which... Fran Goat, yes. Fran Goat. Man, yeah. that takes me Why back. was that I a thing? I wasn't there at the time, but... I would just, uh, all of our humor is nonsensical, arbitrary humor back at, back then. And I created Frango. Para helped me animate him one time, and then it became a thing for our reader base. Yeah, there's, a great, there's a great animation of a pooping Frango still. I still send it to him. Uh, like a weekly <laughs> right, basis. So what would happen if you Google pooping Frango? Do Hopefully you can find it. Maybe oh. don't. Maybe don't Google that. I'm not going to. I would yeah, also I'm doing it, and I'm doing it on a computer right You're now. You're doing it right now, Sakurai? Ryan, let us. You have to let us know. Fran goat. I don't see any animations, but I do see a lot of weird pictures of goat poop. I regret oh God. this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, regret we'll this. text it to you. We have, we have the original. We have the original GIF. Goat poop does okay, sound pretty tame to. from what I I thought might show up. So hey, I'm happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> no one can see that Zach's face. <laughs> that's, that's how we used to mock Fran, and, and now I have now I have to resort to going onto his streams uh, and making fun of him to his user base. Whoever's watching him, like, I have got him falling asleep right now. It's so boring. It's like, shut up, Matt. <laughs> well, so good. Some things never change. Thanks for telling us about the cats, Matt. Um, Hera, My what... pleasure. Thanks for yeah. letting me talk about that. No, of course. And Hera, what are you playing this week? Uh, still playing Pokemon Snap. Um, finishing finishing that up and, and trying to get the, the, the highest points on all the levels. Um, you know, I've talked about this in the past. I, I think it's really fun and charming. A really cool game to play with your family on the couch and hand off the controller and see who can get the better pictures for um for the Pokedex in the end. So, uh, lovely game, and that's the reason why I paused on Monster Hunter. Um, but I'm also I'm taking a trip to LA this weekend. Um, I I was originally planning to play Monster Hunter with my daughter, um, but now I have to be in Japan for the uh, uh sorry in 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 LA, um, for our annual sausage run. Um, Very different places. Yeah. Uh, sausage run is when I drive to LA to go to this German butcher in Torrance and we pack these coolers full of frozen meats and things and we drive them back up to San Francisco, just so you know. Um, 
It's a very, very important uh, annual event. Worthy, worthy endeavor. So it's please not... stop and pick me up some beef jerky on the way back as well. Oh, man. I'll tell Ooh. you where. Oh, man. It's bro. not just I a five... clever name. What a cool annual solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, there's, there's no good German butcher in San Francisco in the Bay Area, so I have to go to L.A. Uh, and then I'm I'm still playing Picross S6, and I'll play that for months, of course. And you know, I already talked about this last last week that it's not the most exciting update, and that it's exactly like S5 and S S S4 before it. But it's a good Picross game. Um, Zach, what are you playing? Um, yeah, I've been playing. I've been slowing down a little bit on Monster Hunter Rise as I've gotten into like the real high rank. The the same kind of thing that has happened with me with a lot of. Um, uh, live games, you know, like Destiny and things like that is happening with Monster Hunter Rise where like, uh, I'll take a break and then the people that I'm playing with are like so far ahead of me that the idea of catching up to them is like really difficult. So I've been slowing down a little bit on Monster Hunter, but I do I do occasionally pop back in to do a few hunts I, I have this week, um, but I've been bouncing between that and uh, Resident Evil 8 on Xbox, um, which is also great, um, not on Nintendo yet. I wish that they would do the streaming thing like they did for RE7. That would be very cool. But as far as Nintendo stuff goes, yeah, I've just been playing Monster Hunter Rise. And I did want to close the loop on this. Um, the system that I was mentioning earlier is called the Hyperkin Retro N Square HD. Um, which we reviewed here at IGN. Uh, our reviewer, Matt Adler, gave it an eight. Um, and it's a cool way to play GBA and GBC games on your television if you're looking to do that. It is so Are cool. you guys, is, is anybody playing the Returnal just really quickly? So I'm, my hamster brain will not allow me to play that game for very long, but is, is it like, because it starts out very Metroid-like and I'm loving it, mm-hmm. but then I have a feeling in an hour in, I'm going to not like it because it's going to kill me and I'm going to have to keep replaying. Sure, it's very, very difficult. Um, I have not played the Returnal. Uh, I will... I'm probably waiting for that. I think that that, as a first-party studio game, that that game is going to hit PS Plus somewhere down the line, and I'll play it when mm-hmm. it when it comes to PS Plus. But everybody says it's like shortlist for Game of the Year and that it's very, very yeah. good. Um, I <laughs> love Housemark's previous efforts. I think their, their games yeah. are you know, rock solid. Um, and this game, un- you know, unfortunately, it caught a lot of flack because of some of the the bugs that are happening around launch um but i think mm-hmm. once that game is a little more stable i think once it drops you know 20 30 bucks i'm definitely going to get into it sweet mm-hmm. yeah have you jumped in yet there uh, uh, i was holding... just gonna say i'm with zach that's it <laughs> yeah i'm holding yeah. out on it too um and mainly it was a decision because resident evil was coming out and i have to you know i have to figure out when to find the time to play all these games when they're coming out and um and uh returnal I love the look and the technology, as you know, Matt. I'm not the biggest uh, rogue, rogue-like or rogue-like fan. Yeah, yet. there's, there's hate, that too. I hate anything rogue. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, that's understandable. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So, uh, but, but I do intend to play it when it's on PS Plus, or you know, if there's a lull in the in the in the software release schedule to, to play something. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then, can you guys share some info about Metroid Prime Four since I'm here? Do you have anything? I just want to blast out to the audience right now. Yeah, actually, uh, the, the a couple of big developments on the Metroid Prime front. You see, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's what we <laughs> that know. Right? That's, 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 that's what we know right now. That's what we know right now. So yeah, seriously. No, it's a uh, yeah. it's a super deformed two D uh, side scroller with anime characters, and you play um, soccer in it. Yeah. So there's that too. <laughs> Oh man, come on, please eat. Just unveil it. Yeah. Free Nintendo. Is there a beach filler episode too? Yep. Perfect. I'm in. 
So I have also been playing new Pokemon Snap and Monster Hunter Rise, but I also checked out uh, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion last week. Oh yeah, and that looks, that looks fun. It was really funny. I definitely laughed quite a lot. It kind of has some Adventure Time vibes, but basically you play this this menace of a turnip. Turnip who is also a menace. Uh, basically, whenever someone gives you something, you don't have a choice of what to do with it. You have to rip it up, and it has really funny consequences. There are a lot of callbacks to other games. I don't want to ruin them for you. There's a lot of callbacks to memes as well. And I think it relies kind of a lot on like current pop culture for the jokes to land, but I think they're quite funny. I mean, I had a, a good time with it, but it's a Zelda-like and it's not too hard. I almost beat it. I this This cat actually gave me the most trouble but it was a really interesting boss game mechanic. As if you didn't see, there's like a big giant cat. But you're a vegetable. Everyone else is a vegetable or a fruit or a cat like apple. It's very interesting. But you commit tax evasion and then the mayor of the town forces you to start doing things for him so that you can pay back your taxes, which are like $150,000 plus 50% interest. So it's a lot. Or else your, your house is going to get taken away. It's very interesting. The story gets more interesting and dark the further you go on i i do recommend it i had a lot of fun with it but don't expect anything like too difficult or hard i think you're playing it just because of the gameplay is charming the mechanics are interesting and the story and writing is funny <laughs> yeah. right on and, sweet yeah looks awesome now except for games we're playing we talked about a uh, new pokemon snap super impossible road fist of fluffs across s6 and Monster Hunter Rise, like we probably will be for the next couple of weeks, at least with a, mm -hmm. a small mention. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not sorry. But now moving on to our favorite section of the show, Question Block, where we read questions sent to us by you, the listeners or watchers at your homes. That sounded creepy. I didn't mean for it, watchers, man. Anyway, our first question comes from David Opinko, and they ask, what will Nintendo's big one more thing announcement be at E3 this year? Ooh. We got to get out of our, our uh, fortune teller crystal balls. The one more thing announcement at this year's E3 will be the next Mario game. I was also going to say that, like a successor to uh, Super Mario Odyssey as the last thing. I think that they lead with something that we know is coming, like Metroid or Zelda. And then, yeah, the one more thing is, and also, there's a new Mario game. Yep. I'd love that. What do you think, Matt? Uh, Zelda seems like such an easy one, right? Mm -hmm. I know that they could lead with it, but is it too early to lead with it? So I, my bet is that they make that the one more thing, and, and they just sort of expose it at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess that they, they pull a fast one on us at the beginning and show us some Zelda, but actually it's just a Zelda collection for the 20th anniversary. And then at the end of the show, they'll do the one more thing and show us more of Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. That's my specific. That. That, that could be I it. I want it to be Metroid. Hmm? It's just not ready. No. How do you know? Retro, Retro Studios could be Matt. killing it for all you know. Matt, how many years Ooh. have we worked together and sat next to each other and before E3 and we always said, Okay, but they gotta this show this thing. Here it comes. This is the year where Rare is going to show their next game, and then there wasn't one. I think. I think if they don't, Retro. I don't. I think if they don't show something for Metroid Prime Four, people are gonna flip out. 
Like I think yes. Every, how many years ago did they put up the logo? Was 2017. Two or three years ago. That was 2017. And then the next year they said they said sorry, right? We're gonna give it back to retro. Yeah, they said, the next year was it two? Years? They said Namco made a boo boo. Well, they didn't say that, but then it yeah, yeah. retro. So retro's had ample time now to do yeah. something cool, but maybe this is a game that they're gonna try to tether to the next Switch slash Pro or whatever. Purely speaking out of my ass, I have no idea. I saw, uh, but yeah, I saw an incredible tweet. Uh, probably a month or more uh, that retro was hiring a level two uh, stage designer or a level two, like uh, engineer or something like that. And somebody had retweeted the job post and was like, great news, everyone. They finished level one, <laughs> which I thought was very good. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, they can show us a demo of that then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't know if, yeah. if positioning, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but from looking back at sales numbers in the past, I don't know if Metroid would be enough to pair with the new Switch if that's the only thing that is going to be exclusive to the new Switch. No, nah, I think Breath. No, I, think, right. I think that the Zelda sequel, I think Breath of the Wild two won't be exclusive, but will run, will run better, and mm -hmm. that will be sort of the selling point for Switch Pro. Is like, and it'll launch the same time as you know Switch Pro and it'll have this kind of consistent frame rate and you know these extra bells and whistles things like that yeah, yeah. nintendo traditionally too is like to do call upon a japanese partner so mm -hmm. hey you know resident evil 5 and then boom you have metroid next to it as like a yeah. complimentary piece or something of course i want the one more thing to be mario kart 9. <laughs> yeah that'd be cool, that'd be cool. actually I, I would like an f-zero as well really a whole lot. Oh, there's no such, there's no such franchise, man. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you when you compared that mm -hmm. your your uh, super impossible road to F Zero, I was like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, Can't yeah. What is that game? It's been so long. <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, I don't want them to do F Zero until Super Impossible's come out and, and then do. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Smart. <laughs> so one more question for the very short amount of time we have. Sam Schumacher asked, to the minute, how long do you think Nintendo's E3 presentation will be? 27 minutes. 27 minutes. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna, I'm going to write this down, okay. and we're going to look back at this later. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be longer because it'll also have the Treehouse Live stuff in it. Remember, it's a, okay. the show is... Are we, the sh we're talking just direct. Just we're the direct, just not the, the Treehouse. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. I think it'll be I think it'll be 45 minutes. Okay. What about you, Matt? Solid hour. One hour. Yeah. Right, I'm going to I'm going to guess um I'm going to be one of those people and be terrible and go just under Actually, I'm going to go just under yeah, just under pair with 42 minutes. Wow, that's so sneaky. Okay. All right. And with that, that is about all the time we have left for Nintendo Voice Chat this week. Matt, where can people find you online to see what you're up to? Uh, Twitter. What? What's my handle? I don't even know. I think it's I think it's Matt Casa. Matt Casa. Yeah. I'm Matt on there. Casa? I do tweet. I do tweet a lot about stupid stuff. Um, yeah, you can find me there. Well, one of us will retweet him and to, for, for easier please, access. Please do, because I can't <laughs> seem to remember my own handle. Okay. We'll figure it out. But everyone, thank you so much for joining me this week for Nintendo Voice Chat. And thank you, everyone, for writing into us this week your very great questions. You can reach to us at, you can reach us at nbc at ign.com or look out for our 
post on our Facebook group, Nintendo Boys Chat Podcast Forums. And remember, check us out on YouTube, on IGN Games. We post at the same time we do as our audio podcast. So come check it out. Look at the video we provide and our kind of like okay looking faces, I guess. But we would appreciate it if you did stop by and say hello over there. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can. Get the thing. thing. Gotta get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.